0: So, friends, for this morning, I bring you the sermon that we had, pre- or I had prepared for the current, which is our eleven o'clock contemporary service. So, there we are in the middle of a sermon series entitled "You Are Loved." But, friends of the eight fifteen sanctuary service, guess what? You are loved by God too. I, did, I didn't know if you knew that, but this will be a wonderful opportunity for you all as well. So in this sermon series, we've been journeying through this idea of knowing that God loves us just as we are, celebrating diversity, taking a really restful worship service last Sunday. And so from that place, this Sunday, we turn toward what does it mean to, from that place of love, serve. So giving you a recap of where we are now and where we head, or where we've been and where we're heading this Sunday. And so on that note, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever wondered in life if you are doing enough? Like having that feeling of wondering if what you do matters. If you are going in the right direction or what you're doing in life has a purpose. On a scale, parenting can seem that way, to be honest. And if you've been there, or you have a niece, you have a nephew, you've taught, you probably know what I'm talking about. So my son is four, Wyatt, and so it seems at four, it can take a while for things to get through his head. And so at times, you wonder, is this working? Are the little things we're doing mattering? And so for a while, between the work we were doing at home and things that they were teaching at school and what we were doing at church, between his ABCs, his one-two-threes, and trying to get some, you know, basic understandings of theology, who Jesus is, for a while, it didn't feel like we were getting much fruits from it. No fault on him or me or dad or church or school or anyone. He was just little. It felt like all those actions didn't matter. Did singing the ABC song over and over again get it? Or did he just keep going (laughs) L-L-L-O-P? Did watching all the counting videos matter? Did reading the Bible stories and going to church get through? Because at preschool chapel, my son... The pastor's kid, when asked what is Christmas about, standed up and said, Santa! But now, good now, a little into four, we're finally seeing a difference. So he can actually point out his letters now and the sounds that they make with pretty surprising accuracy. So we can mostly count to fifteen, and we're working on getting that up to twenty. And he can talk more about his faith. And it's really, really adorable. The other day, he specifically told me that Jesus loves him all the way down to his knees. (laughs) And he told me that Jesus, mom loves you in your nose. (laughs) I don't know where he was going with that, but it sure is cute. Over time, the little things did matter. Those tiny and humble and simple actions with my son did come to fruition eventually, even when it didn't feel like it. And all of this is against a society that wants quick and grand results. Think about how often you hear on TV, 30 days or your money back, guaranteed. Right? And there are all these commercials that are, practi- are promising grand and miraculous results. Or your money back, Guaranteed. But we see these two warring sides, these two different ideas. And what does scripture say in the midst of all of this? What is the attitude, the call of the Christian life? So again, the sermon series, You Are Loved, invites us to instead start all of this from a place of God's love for us. And so we're looking this week into starting into what does it look like to share that love with the world knowing that we are loved by God and how do we reflect that out into the world and so I invite us then to look at our scripture passage for today it's one that has so much great stuff in it it's from the book of Romans chapter 12 starting in verse 9 let love be genuine hate what is evil hold fast to what is good Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Pursue hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be arrogant, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink, for by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil. With good. So, this book, this passage is written by the Apostle Paul, who is someone you may have heard of before. Paul, who used to be Saul, who used to be famous for persecuting Christians. But he became a Christian apostle himself, who then was famously persecuted. But Paul, in this instance, was writing to a church or churches in Rome, we're not sure, that he wished he could have traveled to, but he just couldn't. So if you've ever wondered, if you've ever looked and wondered, why is the book of Romans so long? Well, it's because Paul here is writing out everything that he would have said in person if he could have. Every teaching, every theology, every stump speech, every introductory thing he would have said to a church if he could have got there in person, he had to put it in writing with these churches in Rome. And so the audience, we don't really know what they were going through, their dealings and um, tensions, but we do know that they were facing whatever tensions were there with the Roman society, with their Jewish heritage that existed in their faith. This passage leads us to see that there was persecution, or at least Paul was preparing them for that possibility. And we know Paul was very well versed with persecution. So this section, which holds our scripture reading for today, it's Paul's introduction to what the Christian life should look like. So when we look at the structure of Romans, chapter 1 through 11, everything that precedes where we're at in our scripture passage today, it's all about setting up the theology of what it means to be a Christian, the theology of how we live into this life of faith, the theology of how we say yes to Jesus. And then when he gets to here, chapter 12, he talks about, so what do we do with it? How do we live into this life? What does it look like to be a Christian? And I love the way that Paul phrases it here. I think these lines are absolutely gold. Because it's very powerful to think about this wording and these phrasings when we think about all that Paul went through in life. I mean, think about the comparison. He had been persecuted. He had been thrown in prison. He had lived a life at one time of persecuting Christians himself. And with all of that, here is what he writes to urge people of what it looks like to be a Christian. Love what is genuine. Love one another with mutual affection. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Pursue hospitality to strangers. Someone who had experienced so much hate and so much pain directed toward him in his life instead sought to live a life that was focused on love and urged others to do the same he urged people to live lives of love and live lives of hope to be humble and to show care and concern for others lifting up the least of these and stressing that we must include our enemies in this that is powerful and groundbreaking and revolutionary And all of this is counter-cultural to the society that he lived in. I don't know how much you know about Greco-Roman society, but it's really not too much different from our own. It was a society that was obsessed with power and with wealth and with status and with prestige. For them, they were obsessed with these ideas of honor and of patronage. Your honor made or broke you. You look for patronage from someone with honor to get ahead. But what ended up happening often was people used and abused other people to get ahead. Getting the one up on your enemies, those who were less than you in some way, either poorer or less educated or younger or different gender. You abused and abused them so you could have a leg up. They had a whole system built on these power plays and hierarchies. And so for them, they thought, well, this is just the way things are. This is the way it had to be. This is what happened. But Paul is urging us, the Christian life must look different. We must be people who are full of humility. We must be people where no one looks of themselves too highly. For us, love is at the center. For us... Love is at the center. Working for the goodwill of others is at the center. Even to the point of feeding and serving your enemy. Your enemy. That is the ultimate act of giving up power, subverting all cultural expectations, all in the name of loving like Jesus. It's powerful, it's convicting. And we have to remember that our culture today is not all that different. 2,000 years later and people are still people. We have that temptation to turn to our tribe and our tribe only. People who look and think and act and speak like us. We have the temptation not to live our lives in service to one another. To not be humble enough to live and serve our neighbor. Even if the job seems simple even if we think maybe this job won't even make a difference. Because it is, in fact, the little things, the little things of love and the little things of service that can give our lives great meaning. We can bear the love of God to those around us, just as we are called to do in uniquely beautiful ways. So I want to lift up the story of a member of our church who I believe does this so well. And her name is Donna Jo. So Donna Jo is a member of our church who lives at Grace Manor. She is there after a career as a therapist, after the death of her dear husband. In fact, when Donna Jo and I were getting to know each other, she would often critique my technique as her pastor. She would often go, you're making your listening face again, she would tell me. And so now I realize all of you are going to look for my listening face. She told me it had something to do with my eyebrows. But now she's retired, and of course she has health issues, as many do at that age, and she's living at home in the manor. But that does not mean that she is finished serving. Of course, her serving looks different than it did in her career, but... Or in her days of raising children, but all of that aside, it is nonetheless important. So Donna Jo spends many of her days making these beautiful, gorgeous, lovely, handmade cards. And she's very resourceful. She uses a mixture of things for these cards. She recycles bits of cards that she gets in the mail from other people. Craft supplies she gets at the store, whether they were bought specifically for her cards or for another project, and she reused them. And she draws things herself to round them out. And so all together, these pieces create these beautiful cards they have intricate designs, flowers of all kinds, balloons for happy birthday cards, lots of different occasions. And so she uses them. She uses them to connect with her neighbors, hosting workshops and exchanges so that way people in Grace Manor can make these cards or buy these cards for others. She also uses them to connect with her family and friends near and far to send them cards to let them know that connection is valuable. She still cares. And she's going to start donating these cards to our church. You may or may not know, but we have a card ministry here at the church that does this exact same thing. Now, these um, folks are able to get here in person. They're able to do this crafting together in person. But Donna Jo is now going to join that team even though she is unable to leave her home by donating her cards. So this Care Card Ministry sends out cards to people in our congregation who are homebound, whether permanently, whether temporarily, to let them know that the church is still here and that we still care. It seems simple, but it's a meaningful way to serve and spread God's love. And so, for all those who participate, and for Miss Donna Jo, it'll give great purpose and joy. It'll give her a way to engage in a way that she loves to serve. And even though it seems simple, it will make a big difference to those who receive those cards. Even though it doesn't seem big and visible and apparent. What a way for us to be challenged and inspired to serve. We don't have to be, and Paul reminds us that we shouldn't be pressured into how big or grand or successful looking our service to God is. It is through humble acts of service and love that we are following in the footsteps of Christ. Real honor, Christ-like honor, is found in showing love and affection to one another, not in reaching for ways that are bigger and better and grander. So what does that look like for you? What is your way to either step into service or reframe perhaps the service that you are already doing? We have tons of ways to get involved here at First Church, and I just want to lift up a few you may or may not have considered before. So we're always in need of those extra hands. One of the things is Vacation Bible School coming up. That takes a lot of hands and feet, some during the week, some to just help things get prepared beforehand, and you can reach out about that. Our Neighborhood Ministries program is a ministry that always needs extra help, particularly if you are available during the weekday afternoons. If you have that need and availability and love children, they could really use your help. And, of course, our missions page on the website shows lots of opportunities for how you can get involved, whether you can make a long-term commitment, whether you can give one weekend serving on an upcoming disaster recovery team, or even if you can just give one day volunteering packing for Kids Pack. Lots of opportunities in between. But, friends, all these humble acts do make a difference for sharing God's love and showing God's love In this world. So may we all find those ways to care and to serve one another as Paul commanded and as others like Donna Joe have gone before and modeled for us. The little things do make a difference, friends. So may we live lives where we embody and reflect God's love to a world that is in need of it. May we have faith that those little actions, they can and they will make a difference in God's world. Friends, will you pray with me? God of grace and of new beginnings, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for the ways that you empower us to serve with whatever gifts that we have in ways that may seem small but make a big impact in the end. May we be encouraged and emboldened today to continue to spread your love through our hands and our feet to your world. Amen. So friends, we thank you for being here this morning and worshiping with us. We hope that it was a wonderful and meaningful time for you. But as we prepare to go from this place, may you hear this benediction. Friends, may you know that you, as you are, you are loved by God. And so may you take that love in whatever ways that you are called, big or small. May you reflect that love in service to a world in need. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.